Come on, give God a hand, praise. Amen. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. Yeah. Amen. God is wonderful, isn't he? God is just awesome. He's gracious. He's magnificent. He's kind. Um, jump with me in your Bibles. We're going to pick up uh, where we left off last week. I want to backtrack just a little bit, just for a few moments. Um, prayerfully, I won't be long before you. Um, I don't want to put a damper on the move of the Spirit, and I don't want to put a damper on what God is doing in our midst, but um, based on where God has me now and where he's continuing to take us as a church, this experience is great, but it's not enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's a great experience, but, but, but it's not enough. It's not enough. And we'll talk about that um, as we kind of walk through the word. Because um, we're good at good church, but it's not, it's not enough. Amen? It's not enough. So I just want to continue this piece where we are on breakout evangelism to allow God to be God in our midst. Let me read first and then um, we're going to walk through and I'm going to share the one thing I want to share with you um, this morning. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor. The mission is possible. <laughs> yeah, tell the other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. <laughs> the mission is possible. Now, um, I'm going to finish the sermon next week um, because today I just need to drop something in you. And um, uh, you need to come back. Uh, well, we'll finish the sermon. We'll finish the sermon. Let's put it that way. We'll finish it, and you need to come back to hear the rest of it. Um, look at verse 1 of chapter 10 of the book of Luke. And let me just read this, and then um, all I want to do is illustrate a point that I'm going to share with you, and I wished that all of you were here on Wednesday as we flesh this out, but we'll just kind of walk through some things. If you're in chapter 10, verse 1, say amen. amen. It begins by saying that after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Verse 3 says, go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. And whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there... Your peace will rest upon him, but if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wage. And do not go from house to house. And verse 8 says, and whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Golly, that verse 9 is just killing me. Verse 10 says, but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its street and say, even the dust of, the t of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. And I tell you, it is more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. And go to verse 17. The 72 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. Verse 18, and he said to them, I saw the chains. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, that's what he said. I saw the chains falling. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's next week. And behold, I have given you authority to tread on servants and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the Spirit is subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in, the la in heaven. Uh, I'm just going to say this, and then I'm going to move on. Um, chains are supposed to fall. Chains are supposed to be broken. Um, bondages, all that stuff, yokes, all that stuff is supposed to, to be set free. That's by default. Yeah, but we make it hard. Um, here is what, um, keep an eye on that hashtag if you can. Here is, um, we kind of put this hashtag out here last week and talked through this, so I want to, to back up. And, um, oh boy, this thing just went away from me again. Um, get to where God is having us. Yeah, okay. Where, this, the big idea was every Christian is commissioned to work with God by providing solutions to life challenges while proclaiming his reign in the earth. And we invited you all to put some things out there on Facebook so we can kind of hear what's going on. Melody love her music. <laughs> Here's what she said. If we want to be effective on our mission for Christ, we must learn to address the natural in order to have spiritual impact. Show Melody some love. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. We must learn to address the natural in order to have uh, spiritual impact. Uh, Leslie, um, one of our new members, here's what Leslie said. Um, she said she needed that sermon today. New week, new beginnings. A lot of times we think it's about us when we are on a mission. It's not always about us. And Leslie challenges us, change your mindset. And she got her own thing. We got this. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Come on. Let, give Leslie some love. Yeah. That's good. You go, girl. We got this. We're going to be different. And um, here's Tracy, Miss Patrice. Here's what she says. God has given us all a calling. As long as we are each working in that calling, the world's needs will be what? Yeah. Yeah. Don't miss that. The problem is we either don't know what our calling is or we're too selfish, Lord have mercy, to do the work. Yeah. Each of our callings are tied to a solution to a problem the world is facing. Let's do the work. Oh, man. These, yeah. These, these young adult millennials, man. You notice no old person did anything on Facebook. Just, <laughs> just the young people, right? Uh, but, but I am impressed as a leader in that these three young ladies heard the message. And they got it. They got it. They got it, right? They got it. They got it. And so I want to walk through that today, and I'm going to be very, very brief to kind of talk through this. So the thing that I want to begin, if we look at verses 1 to 8, let me just review, then I'm going to hit the illustration that I want to hit, is that we are commissioned by God to reach our community for Christ. That's the first thing I share with you. And we reach our community by preparing the way for the reception of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, that's a very, very important statement. I want to read um, verses 1 so you can see where we got that from. And I need you to hear me say to you like we've been fleshing out Sunday morning, we're too quick to have good church and we're too slow in meeting the needs of people. 
Um, and this is still based on my Malawian impact, um, the whole whales and what we shared with you a little bit last week about the impact that the Muslims are having in that community, in that culture, and the church does not have a presence. We'll talk more about that as you see these videos. But we reach our community by preparing the way for the gospel, for the reception of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Read with me, read with me um, verse 10. And I just want to lay a couple of things out as we talk about mission possible, and then we're going to walk out. You guys are there? Verse 1 says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them on ahead of him, watch this, two by two, into every town or place and place where he himself, and don't miss the phrase, was about to go. Okay? So point to yourself and say, self. I am a forerunner. Now, this is interesting because I want you all to hear me say this. The majority of the time, if the town or the, the village or the community or the home or the family or the workplace that God sends us to is not receptive of the gospel of Jesus Christ, don't be so quick to blame God. We might want to look here. Because we're placed there to prepare the way so they can hear. Y'all okay with me? I'll illustrate. I'll illustrate that this morning. We're there to prepare the way so that they can hear the gospel. Very, very important, okay? And so now, watch this now. The objective of the mission, when we talk about preparing the way, is to provide solutions to life's challenges while proclaiming God's reign in the earth. And two things we have to do is heal the sick and two, proclaim the kingdom of God's reign in the earth. My concern for the church is we have those two reversed, and we're so busy telling people they need Jesus that we forget about the challenges that they have in life. Okay, and we're going to walk this out. So go with me to verse 9. Let me read that. That 9, it's just really, really messing me up. And then I'm going to walk you through... Um, Something that I want, an uh, illustration of the text that I want. Just one quick story and we'll be done. Look at verse 9. It says what? Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Number one, heal the sick in it or in, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. One more time. Heal the sick in it and then say to them, the kingdom of God is near you. And here's what I've been saying um, last week, and I said a little bit on Wednesday, and today I want to illustrate what that means, is that our call is to prepare the way. The reason a lot of people are not open to the move of God or to God himself is because when they look at us and they're supposed to see God, they see us, not God. I'm going to say amen. And so when Christ shows up, we're ineffective because we haven't properly prepared the way for the presence of God, okay? So now, go down to verse 25. Go to verse 25. I want to illustrate this um, principle that I'm sharing with you um, with a parable that's in the same series of teaching that Jesus is doing, and he uses this, once again, as an illustration to amplify the point that he's trying to make, okay? Same, and if you're there. Very, very familiar passage of Scripture. I just want to share this one thing here, and then we'll be done, okay? Now, it's the parable that everyone knows of called the parable of the Samaritan 
or some translated out of the word good in front of it or the parable of the good Samaritan, okay? Now, here's what you need to know before I even read verses 25 on. Jesus, um, in, in, in uh, I think it was chapter 9, concludes chapter 9 by saying, um, let the dead bury the dead. No one who puts his hand to the plow is fit to follow me. Uh, he says all these harsh things, and then he appoints 72, and he sends them out two by two, and he's continuing his teaching and his narrative. Now, the tradition is, as Jesus is going about doing his earthly ministry and his teaching, crowds were following him. And you must imagine that as the crowds are following him, they're hearing his teaching and they're hearing everything that he's saying. And if you're like a member of that crowd, like if I was in a crowd, I would be concerned because it seems like it's difficult to be a follower of Christ. Okay? So now while Jesus is doing his teaching, verse 25 opens up by saying that a lawyer raises his hand and he says, teacher, I have a question. So look what verse 25 says. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Okay? In other words, you must understand the tension that's happening here. There's the old way of doing things, and then Jesus comes on the scene, and he's now declaring this is the new way or the right way because I didn't come to abolish, but I came to fulfill the law. So someone who has this relationship with God based on the law, based on works, no doubt believes he's right, no doubt thinks everything he's right. So here's what he's saying. Let me see where this cuckoo or this fanatic Jesus is going. I know the word, I know scripture, so, so let me see how good he is. So he says, let me put him to the test, right? So he puts him by the test and he says, teacher, he says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now watch Jesus' response. This is very, very important. And he said to him, you know, you can't fool Jesus. Anybody in here know that? What is written in the law and how do you read it? Or if you want to translate it, how do you translate it or how do you interpret the law? In other words, you know what it says on how to inherit life, uh, eternal life or how to be saved. So tell me what the law says. Now, the reason Jesus could say this to this man and the reason Jesus could respond to the lawyer this way is that every good Jewish boy or Jewish child was forced to study what's known as the Shema or Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 onward, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, he is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You know, y'all know that quite well. It says that. And then and what every child was supposed to do on a daily basis, they were required or mandated to recite the Shema. So Jesus just looked at him and says, Hey, you're a good Jewish boy. You know what the word says. And then Leviticus chapter 19 around verse 16 talks about the fact that you are to love your neighbor, but then it defines in those series of verses who the neighbor is. So Jesus basically says to him, why are you messing with me? What does the law says? And you quote it. So then look at his response, verse 27, and he answered, okay, I got this one. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbors as yourself. And listen to Jesus' response in verse 28. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you shall live. 
Jesus was done. He was cool. Okay, you know it. What the problem is? You should make it in, right? I, I should see you in heaven. But now this young, this young lawyer figure, Jesus must have something up his sleeve, and he's saying the response can't possibly be that simple. So now look at, look at the text. Look at the text. So it says now in verse 29, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, all right, who's my neighbor? And there is the catch. Because who's my neighbor is where you and I really mess up. And, and defining who our neighbor really is dictates the authenticity of our relationship with God. And our proactivity in working with God where he is working. Now, mind you, this man was a lawyer. He knew the law. He knew the, the, the Deuteronomical law. He knew the first five books of the Bible. He knew every jot and tittle. He knew what it says. And so he had a framework on what neighbor meant and who neighbor is. Okay? So he's saying to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And he's expecting Jesus to respond based on the knowledge that he have, just like you and I would expect Jesus to respond the way with the knowledge we have. Now watch what Jesus says. Look at this. First 30. And so he replied, <laughs> a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now let me pause for a moment just to give you some historical cultural stuff. The man could identify with this because Jerusalem itself was located some 3,600 feet above sea level, and anybody who went from Jerusalem would be going down towards sea level to the city called Jericho, and it's about a 17-mile journey. Now, what you need to know about that journey, it's not a straight road. It's a windy, curvy, rocky, treacherous road, and thieves would lay by the roadside, and they would rob people when they were going down the road. So Jesus paints this scene. You want to know who your neighborhood, your neighbor is, Listen to this parable. A man left Jerusalem going down to Jericho, and just as the expectation is, thieves get a hold of him, they beat him, they stripped him, they robbed him of his good. Everybody all right with me? But then he says this. Three people now pass by. We all know this quite well. Now watch this. And he says, 31, now by chance... Oh, it just so happened that a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, the text says, he passed by <laughs> on the other side. Now, Jewish lawyer, lawyer, let me just go here with you. Jewish priest. Everybody okay with me? Now, you must understand with me that this priest, because he was going down to Jerusalem, was probably at the end of his service in the temple, and the majority of the priests lived in Jer Jericho at the time, so he was probably going home. And here is this priest leaving the temple, and he's walking on the right side of the road, and as he's going about his Mary had a little lamb, I love you, Jesus, worship, spirit was probably good. Break every chain, break every chain. You know, I hear the chains falling. And he looks up, 
and he sees somebody whose chains need to be broken. And he crosses the road. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Hallelujah, Lord. The spirit was good. And he goes about his business. Now, now, quick, and then I'm going to hit this. Several reasons he might have done this. The law prohibited a priest from defiling himself if he touched a person that was probably on their deathbed or was about to die or if the person died in his hand, the possibility exists that he could be defiled for seven days. So here's what he said. Let me contemporize it. Oh, I'm not going to have them demons jump off on me. <laughs> Break every chain. Break every chain. And he goes by on the other side. Or here's, here's one we say. Oh, that spirit of alcohol. Mm-mm. 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 Break every chain. And he walked by on the other side. But he just got through serving God. <laughs> Lord, help us. You guys all right with me? Then he said this. And then he said, after the priest did his thing, he picks up by saying, verse 32, so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, what I like about the Levite, the Levite was the one leading the song that moved the priest. <laughs> he was the worship leader. Come on, y'all, raise your hands. Oh, give him thanks. Say glory to God. Mm -mm. And he went on the other side. Talking about, I hear the chains falling. Not him on me. And he passed by. Okay? Now, here's the striking thing about this. There's the third person that comes on the scene. Now, if you're the lawyer, and if you're the crowd that's listening to Jesus speak, the order in which Jesus was outlining these individuals, the priests, then the Levite, were all Jews. The next person that they expected Jesus to call would be a lay person from out of the Jewish community. Priest, Levite, a congregation member, or a deacon, or a deaconess, or a lay leader in the church. But Jesus flips the scripts and doesn't keep the natural progression of things, and he says, a Samaritan. Now, if you're the lawyer, you're messed up. You're messed up. Because here's what you need to know about Samaritans. You already know this. Samaritans have no dealings with Jews. Samaritans were outcasts. Samaritans, according to Jewish theological framework at that day and time, didn't even have access to God. They were not allowed in the temple. Matter of fact, it was almost like it was back in the slavery days. Jews and Samaritans would not be seen in the same place. And I'm going to be so crazy as to say to you that the person who fell among thieves probably was someone who was leaving worship on their way home, giving us the implication, now I'm proposing this, that he could possibly have been a Jewish person laying by the wayside, the wayside on his way home to Jericho. And a dirty, filthy, grungy, ungodly Samaritan, the text says, watch this, 
When he saw him, verse 33, but the Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, and he went to him, verse 34, bound his wounds. Y'all know all that. I'm not going to bore you with that. Pour oil and, and, and wine on it. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him, and the next day he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And then, when I come back, then look at verse 36. Then Jesus looks at the lawyer. And he says to him, which of these three do you think prove to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? This is hard for the man to respond, just like it's hard for you and I to respond. Because we focus on B and we miss a, we want to proclaim the gospel, but we don't want to meet people where they live. A, and so we don't help them with providing solutions to life's challenges while proclaiming the reign of God. All we want to do is proclaim the reign of God, and so this is what we do. We walk by, lead a person there. I need to do this. Then we go home. Get on the prayer line. On my way home, the Lord showed me a person in need. Let's lift that person up in prayer. Oh, don't act like you don't do it. I, I saw a bad car accident, but I was late for work. So just pray. Right? Pray that they're healed. Pray that they're whatever. Pray that we're... And I'm, I'm the guy that's crazy enough to say to you, your prayer might be ineffective because you missed the preparation for the way of the gospel. I'm the guy that's going to be crazy enough to say this to you, okay? So, so Jesus asked him, Jesus asked him, which one is your neighbor? And look at, look, at, look, at, um, look at his response. Verse 37, and I'm almost done. And he said, the one who showed him mercy. I don't like the answer. And the reason I don't like the answer is because he should have said the Samaritan. He was so pious, he couldn't get the words out of his mouth. He was so holy, he was so heavenly focused that he couldn't get the words out of his mouth to identify who the man was. The one who showed compassion. And then Jesus comes back and he says, you go and do likewise. Now, I said all that to say this. I want us to get this in our hearts and in our minds. And I'm going to go back to the text and we're going to stop. If we name the name of God and we say we love God, we have no choice but to love people. Hear me out. Excuse the grammar. It doesn't matter who the people is. It doesn't matter how demon-possessed they are. I want you all to hear me. It doesn't matter how deep their addiction is. It doesn't matter how they smell. I need somebody in here. 
Let me get personal. It doesn't even matter if they stole your husband. It doesn't matter if they took your place on a job where they got promoted ahead of you. It doesn't matter the, 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 the damage, the, 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 the malady. It doesn't matter what they did. As long as they are human beings, we commanded to love God and to love people. Now, this is going to mess you up. This is going to mess you up. This is going to mess you up. Don't waste time praying for God to move in their lives if he has sent you ahead of him to prepare the way and you refuse to show up, but you want God to go ahead of you. He's saying, no, 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 no. I am sending you out into the harvest to be me in the midst of wolves so that when I show up, and the problem with the church, man, we're good on the other side. Matter of fact, assume this is the back door, and we're coming to church. I can't stand her. I'm going to sit over here. And we do the same thing in church. Walk by the other side. Come on, y'all. Or, or you sitting here. And brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so came and sat next to you, and you came, I got to go to the bathroom. And you came back, I can hear better over here. <laughs> but we call ourselves Christians. Are we? John, first John. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God. He that loves not does not know God, because what? God is love. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so if I can't love you, if I can't make it right, and, and I'm not just talking on the internal perimeters of our church. I'm talking about in our neighborhoods. I'm talking about in our schools. I'm talking about the places that we work. I'm talking about all the social interactions that we have, the church should be the forerunners in demonstrating the love of God regardless of who the person is if we expect their hearts to be receptive and open to the word of God. And listen to this. And because we don't love right, God can't move. Back to verse 9, verse chapter 1, I mean 10 and 1. I am sending you ahead into places where I am about to go. And then he comes. And in verse 9 of chapter 10, he says, number 1, heal the sick. Fix the broken stuff. Fix the broken stuff. Okay? Fix the broken stuff. So that when I show up, it will be made right. Okay, now I said to you last week about my problem with the, the Muslims and the wells that they're building and all that stuff in Malawi. Somebody sent me an email about in the Gambia they have the same problems going on. It's all, it's all over the place. And my problem with the church by way of application with this is there are a lot of places that the church is fearful to go because we don't understand who we are and what our assignments are is. So our mission is messed up. It's messed up. It's messed up. It's messed up. It's messed up. So here's what we do. We spiritualize things. 
Now, I'm going to flesh this out on Wednesday, so y'all come back and hear this out, okay? Um, we, we pray ahead and say, God, fix it so we can show up. We do. Deal with the spirits, Lord, so we can go. And God is saying in this scripture, I'm sending you to deal with it. I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. Now, here's the backside to the story, okay? Go back to uh, chapter, chapter, where was that? Go back to chapter uh, 10, and, and let me show you all this. Chapter 10, and I want you to see this thing real quick. Look with me at verse um, 17, and then we're going to stop there. You guys are there? The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. In your name. And we're going to flesh this out. So God, we're walking into Muslim territories, man. And demons are flying. We're walking on Colfax. Demons are falling. We're walking into the neighborhood. We're walking into gang-infested neighborhoods. And people, I mean, demons are going. We're going back into our homes, the people that we can't stand. And demons are just running. And then Jesus says this. And I'm sure it in the text. That's supposed to happen by virtue of who you are. It's supposed to happen. Come on, y'all, we're quiet on our brother. Everybody okay? Yeah. It's supposed to happen by virtue of who you are. Now listen to this. This is why the mission is impossible. And the reason I didn't call the series Mission Impossible, it's Mission Possible. The reason it's impossible is because the devil has deceived us into believing we are what we are not. And so watch this, watch this, watch this. He's hemmed some of us up in warfare, and we're so busy fighting him that we've missed the mission. Oh, y'all missed that. And the longer he can keep you in the ring, Got to have the pinkies out. <laughs> the longer he can keep you in the ring boxing, the more he deters you from your problem. Let me give you an illustration. Assuming Pastor Kay and I, and we don't have no marital problems. Perfect couple right here. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and if, if, I ain't going to hit you, girl. It's okay. Because, yeah. <laughs> But, 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 but check this out. She upsets me, and I respond because I'm the man. And, oh, you ain't going to, no, you're going to respect the brother. You, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and she's fighting for love. I'm fighting for respect. And, and I'm all twisted up. I'm all messed up. Uh, I can't even go for it because I'm spending so much time engaged in this fight that I have made her the demon. I have made her the, oh, y'all not hearing me. And she has made me the enemy, and I miss the mission. And here's the thing. I'm praying, God, show up in my marriage. God, he said, no, you're there. I wish I had somebody in here. Come on. So, so I can't show up and try to fix her when you're not even right. Come on, I need y'all to hear me this morning. I have given you power to make it right. I have given you power to resist the enemy. And if you act like God in your house, 
I will manifest myself. But if the enemy can keep us in the ring. Are you hearing me? Heal the sick. Fix your sick marriage so I can show up. You have the ability, submit to Christ, resist the devil, and he will flee. So here's what submission looks like. All right, girl, I'm going to let you win this one. You know what I'm talking about? All right. You know, <laughs> only because I love God and I walk away from it. And when the enemy tempts me, she calls you a punk. This is what I do. Take the thought captive, submit it to the things of Christ, and I go on in the name of Jesus. I'm going to keep the healing in the relationship. Are you hearing me? So I'm not going to watch this in my marriage, walk by the other side, talking about there is power in the name. Now, obviously, the power isn't working. Because when I go home, it's messed up. So what chains are being broken? Are you hearing me this morning? And the church has that power and that ability. So I want to deal with the verbal praise. I have, look, let me read it. Look, look with me and um, then we're going to stop. Because I, I want us to put this into practice. Um, and I'm going to go back to, um, go to um, verse 19. Verse 18. He said to them, I saw Satan fall. Like what? Lightning from heaven. In other words, here guys, that imperfect tense, right? The thing's already fixed. Y'all fighting stuff that's already fixed. <laughs> and then he uses this nice phrase, I have given you authority. And then he starts to list what it is. And then he says in verse, what's that, verse 19, part B or D, nothing shall hurt you. We have no reason not to live a victorious life in Christ. Are you guys hearing me this morning? Here is what Leslie said. I needed that sermon today, a new week, new beginnings. A lot of times we think it's about us when we are on mission, but it's not always about us. Change your mindset. We got this. Can we be different and start defeating the enemy at his own games? So that God can move. Quick application, I'm done. The reason God can't move in a lot of our churches and in a lot of our ministries is not so much because he can't move. It's because the people in the church are fighting the wrong battle. And if the enemy can keep us engaged with each other, the mission is compromised. And the church is so good at having good church, that we miss the healing of the sick so God can move. Does this make sense? We got this. We got this. And every time the enemy is revealed, it's one less tool he can use against us. So watch this. He sent the disciples out two by two, 72 of them, and they came back. Lord, it works. It really works. Demons are moving. Demons are fleeing. Demons are whatever. And I want to say to you as we leave here today, prepare to leave, you have the power to mend 
whatever broken relationship, situation, circumstance we find ourselves in. We have the power to go places where we have been afraid to go. We have the power to interact and deal with things that we ought to interact and deal with. I said this Wednesday, and I'm going to say it again this morning, but I don't want anyone to misinterpret what I'm about to say and take it in the spirit of arrogance. Please hear my heart, not so much the words. I said on Wednesday that I don't waste time engaging the enemy in battle because I've already beaten him. Well, not me. Christ has already defeated him on the cross of Calvary. So when I go out into the world, my general told me what to do to win the war. So when I encounter the demonic, here's what I said. In the name of Jesus, move, and I go on. Are you hearing me? I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm going to say this, and this is, I'm getting into next week's stuff. Pam, I'm, let me, because you, you might not be able to handle me calling you a demon. Let me call Derek a demon. Okay. Yeah. Because you're going to go home and you the executive pastor. He called me a demon. You're going to talk to him? You know, no. So let me, let me go this way. Okay. Um, I don't waste time debating and arguing and fighting and going back and forth with the demon. I just say, in the name of Jesus, move out the way, and I go on. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? I don't know that I found any biblical reference of the enemy engaging in a battle with Christ himself. And if Jesus lives in me, are you with me? So I should be able to go to the most drug-infested place, the more Muslim-infested place, the more... Come on, are you hearing me this morning? And proclaim the name of God by healing the sick and bringing solutions to life's problems. Here's how he said it in the book of Luke chapter 4, and I'm going to stop. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me when he came into the temple because he has anointed me to bring good news to the sick. Come on, to open blinded eyes... And and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If God is upon you, our community ought to be different. Our world ought to be different. Our homes ought to be different. Our lives ought to be different because of whose we are and what we're carrying on the inside. Heal the sick. And watch what God's going to do. Watch what God is going to do. Are you hearing me? I was, part of my sermon, I wanted to end it with that song, I've got the power. <laughs> I really did. Yeah. I've got the power. Hey. You know? I, yeah, come on, yeah. I've got, I've got the power. Yeah, that's it right there. Yeah. You got it and you come on, say one more time. I've got the power. That's it. You got it now. You got it. You got it. You got it. And the enemy can't do anything to you because of what's on the inside. I have given you. And we need to stop allowing the enemy to stop us from proclaiming and doing what God would have us to do. Come on, worship team. Come on, worship team. And bow your heads with me. Go back to that song, Break Every Chain. And here's what I want to do. I just want to open an altar. Because here's what this looked like. I heard you Wednesday. I have a little brother that gets on my reserve nerve. Got to go to him. I do. And got to love him. 
I have a stepsister that hasn't spoken to me in, since Jesus got up from the dead. <laughs> I've got to heal the sick, right? And I can't sit back saying, she wronged me, he wronged me, and I've got to wait for them to make it right. No, I'm the one naming the name of Jesus. Come on, are you hearing me? I'm the one saying that Christ lives in me. And if truly there is power in the name of Jesus to break chains, I've got to be willing to go and initiate. My favorite verse, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ took the initiative to leave his home in glory to come to earth to save me. Not when I got it right while I was still sinning. The least I can do is be Christ-like. So my prayer this morning is God empower me. Fill me afresh with your spirit. Give me a boldness, God. Let me recognize who I am and what's in me so I can be about you. So God, move in this place, God. This church is going to be different. Aurora is going to be different. This community is going to be different because we're going to build wells. Amen. We're going to build wells. 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 We're going to provide solutions to life's challenges so they can see the presence of the kingdom of God in this city where God has placed this ministry. They should see it where you work. They should see it where you live. So Holy Spirit, move. Bow your heads with me. There is power in the name of Jesus. Just sing that softly. There is power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, God. There is power. Break every chain, Lord, and break. Here's what I want you to do right where you're sitting. If you're like me, message is convicting, and you search your own life to see, man, where have I blown it? Take a moment to say, God, forgive me. Take a moment to say, God, renew me. God, give me a fresh start. Teach me to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Teach me to walk in the power of the presence of God. Allow God to be God. Just take a moment to pray. Just take a moment in your own way, in your own way, in your own way. Move in this place, oh God. Move in this place, God. We need you. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. Come on, come on. Bless your name, God. Bless your name. Bless your name. Marriages are going to be healed. You see how relevant Minister Annie's word was and how fitting it was in the message that God brought forth today. Forgive us, God. Cleanse us. As a ministry, God, we repent for dormancy. Being afraid to go, being afraid to do, being afraid to walk out. You've sent us as sheep among wolves, God. So be God in our midst, Lord. Be God in our midst. Thank you for what you're doing. We love you, Lord. 
there is healing in the name of Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet. There is healing. There is healing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. There in the name to break, to break every chain. 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 Just grab hands across the aisles where you're standing. I just want to pray a prayer of unity to allow God to be God in our midst. Um, just right where you're standing. I see God healing. I see God doing the phenomenal. I see God doing the miraculous. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this congregation of believers, God. People in here who are called by your name, Lord, humbling themselves, seeking your face, repenting, turning. And your word says, God, you're going to hear from heaven and forgive sins and heal land. We stand as a unified body of believers pleading beseeching, calling out to you in your name, God, that you would move in our midst, God. Every person that's here, fill us afresh. Teach us how to heal the sick in our homes, in our communities, on our job. Teach us where to build the wells, Lord, that we keep talking about, God, so that people can see you such that when we proclaim the gospel, they are receptive. Forgive us for passing on the other side. Forgive us for not stopping, God. Forgive us for not stopping. Now we know who our neighbor is. If we're going to love God, we must love people as dirty and as messed up as they are because we're one of them ourselves. Thank you for this word. If there's one here, God, who has not said yes and want to give their life to you, we don't want to miss that opportunity. So we want to thank you for moving, God, and just give them a chance to come and say yes. So we give our hearts to you. We give our time to you, God. Move in this place. Thank you for what you're going to do. We've got this. Got this. We've got this. And we're going to be different, God, as difficult as it may be. Like Patrice tell us, God, the challenge is a lot of us have a hard time finding out what that calling is. And we wrestle with that. So open our eyes, Lord, to see where you're working so we can work with you. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen.